0: Hello everyone. My name is Ryan Bolton. This is the clear to close podcast with me as always is Carson Jones with Team Honey, part of the Realty One Group Goldmark here in St. George. I'm with Synergy One Lending. And today we want to talk about the process of buying a home. I see a lot of questions online about specific parts of the process. So I thought we'd just go through what when a client comes into our offices, what the steps are to help you understand the process of actually buying a home. There's a lot of different steps. And I often tell my clients, and Carson will do the same thing, you're not supposed to know how all this stuff works. That's why you have us to help you walk through all of these steps and to help you avoid the pitfalls and some of the things that can happen during the process. So Carson, what do you think is the first step? What is the first step of buying a home?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of people will tell you many different things. They'll say, find a realtor, uh, or just start looking for homes. But really, the first thing you got to do is find out what you can afford. Mm. And uh, a lot of people, they unfortunately make that third or fourth step and then they've already found a house that they love and then eventually they get the unfortunate news that maybe they can't afford that. So the biggest thing is find out what you can afford. If for some reason you decide, "Hey, I have a ton of cash in my account. And I just want to pay cash." Still, it depends. I mean, just because you have a million bucks lying around doesn't mean you should spend 900k on a home right away, right? Yep. So, uh and we have other episodes that we've talked about why maybe you shouldn't pay cash of course for a home. But uh what I would tell you is first thing to do is get pre-approved even if you decide in the long run that you are going to pay cash still get pre-approved because you might realize like hey this payment is not very much for me to just maybe leverage my money a little bit more and actually get a loan on this rather than just going straight for the cash so get pre-approved that way a lender is going to tell you hey this is exactly what we could do you're going to be able to afford a $350, thousand dollar house. But if you want an HOA, like your HOA has to be under 150 bucks. Uh, if you don't have an HOA, your budget might go up to 365 or whatever. So mm-hmm. that's going to be your first step. Cause before you really can start falling in love with places, you need to make sure it's a possibility right uh, it's unfortunate to see people when they fall in love with homes or properties and and then they realize they can't afford it and uh, then of course it's just heartbreak and then they're not motivated to buy any any more at all because nothing's going to be like that house that they found you know
0: and i find people are kind of weird about doing pre-approvals and it's like I don't know if they think that you and I are in cahoots that you're trying to drive business on paying you money or something like that. There really isn't any of that going on. Plus on the loan side, we don't get incentivized by selling different loans. We make money on the loan amount itself. That's it. It's not like we make money if we sell a VA loan to an FHA borrower convention, all the different loan programs out there. It doesn't make any difference anymore. But you see in the industry, that is such an important point. Pre-approval, pre-approval, pre-approval. It's not to try to drive business to each other, which is what we want to do as part of our referral networks, but it's such an important part. Just like you said, the last thing you want to do is show houses to somebody that's not qualified. Most sellers are not going to accept your offer. If you haven't at least done that step, if you need financing and again, having all your options, just like the car industry or the tech industry, things change and innovate all the time. Don't you think we're doing that with mortgages? Yeah. Don't you think we're coming up with different ways to help self-employed people or all kinds of different things? Now, yes, rates have moved up a little bit more to whatever normal rate is for the last 50 years, but it's still worth looking at the numbers and you may find things you didn't even know about because you haven't done a mortgage in 10 years or 20 years or never if you're a first time home buyer. So that's why anybody you talk to that really should be your first step is at least get an opinion, check out your other options review what your payment's going to be, because I've seen that too many times where people get excited about a house and they can't qualify or the payments way more or the reverse. They think they can only afford X amount. So they're looking at homes that just don't have all the features or location or garage or all the stuff they want because they think that's all they can do Mm -hmm. because they haven't looked at how we can use down payment to pay off debts or use it to get rid of mortgage insurance or buy down the rate. There's a lot of ways you can use that
1: money instead of 20% down. Well, that happens so often where somebody comes into a sale saying this is exactly I'm going to put my 20% down and uh, this is exactly what I'm going to do throughout my loan. Most of the time people will change that pretty quickly once they've talked to a lender because the lender might say you don't need to do 20% down. In fact, your payment's not going to be that much different uh especially i mean we can buy out mortgage insurance we can do certain things to get this so your payment's about the same and you don't just have to start flushing away too much cash right
0: and i've seen times where you've got like a 500 hundred dollar car payment on a ten thousand dollar loan well 10 grand on a mortgage isn't going to save you 500 bucks yeah so getting rid of that can free up your budget so all you have is the house You can have some money in savings for emergency just for a little cushion while you're transitioning from renting to buying. So that's where that pre-approval process gives you options you may not be aware of.
1: And and as we move into step two, I mean, I I will say after step one, I I, I would say step one and a half is to start freezing what you're doing with your funds now. Mm. I mean, don't go buy a brand new car, don't go open up a whole bunch of new credit cards, because that unfortunately kills more deals than any home inspector, any appraiser. It's when the buyer just goes out and says, Hey, I'm going to get a brand new house. I, I need to have a nice Mercedes to put in my new garage. <laughs> Great. Get a Mercedes, but get that after closing yeah. too, because that's, it's going to kill a lot of things with that deal. If you just decide that, Hey, I'm going to spend all my money right now. And totally. And people hear credit.
0: pre-approval so they think, Oh, okay, I'm approved. So now I can go get the furniture card, you know, yeah. go to RC Willie Boulevard, Ashley furniture store, whatever it is and get a $10,000 card of furniture and appliances or whatever stuff. Cause they think, okay, they've heard that pre-approval. Mm-hmm. So they're done. But really there's steps all the way to the very end. Even the day we close to verify things haven't changed with your credit, with your job, with your down payment that could kill a deal. I've had deals that get killed because people lose their job unexpectedly. Or that's like you said, one of the most common memes out there in the mortgage world is people that get a car loan or get a visa or get a store card. And like you said, start saving now the pre-approval stage too. There's so many times I see people's credit report that if we just had an extra 30 days to just work on tweaking the score, I mean, you get a different rate if you're 719 to 721. That's a different tier. That's two points. Mm. So there's lots of little ways we can try to look at the credit, boost you up a score or two that can make a difference to the rate. If we have the time to do it, but our microwave society, as soon as they decide I want to buy or their lease expires. Oh, my lease expires. I've had so many clients call me. My lease expires, you know, in three weeks or at the end of the month.
1: Well, and And I'm like, that's a little late to start working on getting a home loan. I I get a lot of people say, "Oh, well, sorry, I'm not going to buy a house because I still have a lease uh, for another six months." Great, we better get started. You know, and other thing with that is, how many landlords right now would be thrilled if you said, "Hey, I got to leave early because they're going to be able to now jack up the price on their next person." So, yeah, you
0: don't have nearly the issue of trying to fill your lease as you do especially in our area right, right. Uh, because rents have been moving up and landlords have been able to, to raise those rates yeah um so or even sell if they're wanting to sell i mean that's what they're trying to do as well yeah. so now so let's what go on the, next so next uh, next step i kind of have a, a idea here so you've got your pre-approval you're able to narrow down i always think the next step is going through needs and wants on the home so you can start the search and that's where a real estate agent kicks in to be able to start narrowing down what fits that budget on your yeah. pre-approval, what starts fitting your needs and wants. So I always tell the clients, okay, what's, what's your three needs. I've got to have this number of bedrooms or I've got to have a yard for the dog. Or I've got yeah. a fence. To, I really think that helps you to be able to not show them 17 homes, first of all, mm-hmm. and be able to narrow down. Okay. These are the ones that I think based on my experience in the market that fits those real hot buttons that you need and really separate what's a need versus one. Want. Everybody wants a, Well, for me a ten thousand square foot garage you know and maybe a maybe two bedrooms that's all i need you know my wife she's gonna want a little something different yeah
1: well (laughs) and that's that's the biggest thing is is finding an an agent who actually searches for you Mm. right um so i mean essentially hiring the correct realtor here's the great news when you're buying a home Depending on the state, but if you're buying a home in the state of Utah, you're not paying your realtor. And I know some realtors might have a couple small fees, a few hundred bucks they might charge for their brokerage. A lot of the time, you shouldn't even really have to pay those either. So in the state of Utah, buying a house with a real estate agent is free. The seller pays the realtor. So that's one thing to know. There's no reason to buy a house in Utah without using a realtor because mm-hmm. then there's so much that a realtor is going to do in terms of, uh, I, I mean, just disclosure wise, right? That is going to be important, especially in the long run when when it comes down to, hey, maybe something was wrong with the house. You've got you still got somebody who yes, their contract with you is up after you close, but technically they're going to work for you forever on this home. If something comes up in 10 years from now and you represented them, you still have, they still have your back on this place. So, so hiring that right realtor who's actually going to do work for you. Cause a lot of realtors, what they're going to do is they're going to send you a link and this link is going to Hmm. send you properties automatically. Right and what you want is you want to have a realtor who actively every single morning is looking at the hot sheets looking at what new listings are out there because that's what's going to actually get you into a house and beat out everybody else because if there's a really good deal that pops up even when the market is a very is very much in a buyer's market where there uh there's a lot fewer buyers out there and maybe you don't have to uh you don't have to compete nearly as much good deals are still going to go quick. Mm. And so you have to have somebody who's going to be on that because you might not be able to check your email for three or four days. So you want an agent who's going to text you immediately and say, Hey, this perfect house came up. If you can't go see it today, let me go take a video of it for you. Um, And so if you can get that, it's going to be so much easier to find that place. And then on top of that, you want somebody who's willing to go out and find you the house. Mm. And if maybe a house is not listed, find, find a realtor who actually calls around to neighborhoods, calls around to those houses that are specific. Maybe you want a house that's right behind Pineview High School and it has to be three bedrooms. You have to have a two-car garage. Well, a lot of realtors who do the best work in town and really anywhere in the country, they're gonna call a whole bunch of homeowners who are not listed for sale and say, Hey, I have somebody who wants to buy your house. And of course, ninety-five out of a hundred of those phone calls are gonna say, No, I'm not interested. But five of those phone calls are at least going to say no but i've talked to somebody else in the neighborhood who's thinking about it mm. and maybe call him and says yeah maybe in another six months but at at one point through those phone calls somebody's gonna say yeah i mean i'd be interested in selling my place so that's what's gonna set your buying power apart from somebody who's just kind of out there and maybe hired hired their buddy who doesn't really work hard as a realtor they're just they just have a license mm. um this way you can get the house that you want and and you can get the house without having to compete against 50 other people
0: well and i look at everybody goes to zillow there's a lot of these things but you can't tell me that there's not times where you're buying a car buying a house the photos are different than the house the neighborhood's different or you that's where having boots on the ground so to speak having somebody that's in the market going around and showing homes going to board just doing stuff where they can see the homes you can definitely tell okay that photo is better or worse. I've seen it both ways where you look at the photos and oh, this place is horrible. Mm -hmm. And no, I've been through the home. The photos weren't done as well. They were done on an iPhone or a galaxy or something like that, not professionally staged or, or stuff like that. Yeah. I think that's one of the big things you see as people go more online and start kind of doing their search before they even start coming to you. Yeah. There's always a difference between the photos whether they're over-engineered or under-engineered, you know as far as filters and all the stuff that we have nowadays, and actually getting boots on the ground and saying no that yeah. backyard is bigger than that or the bathroom is a lot smaller or no you don't want to do it it's facing the wrong way or it's further from the school than you think or mm. Knowing just the neighborhoods and what school districts and just where they're at, especially if you got kids that are different ages that are elementary and high school that are that are separate by you know a, a time frame, you can help them narrow down. Okay, this is closer to both schools, or you know, just knowing the area. Yeah. It, it, that's yeah. where being an expert. That's where working the job day in day out will separate from somebody that just sends you like a link, yeah. Or you just go to Zillow and you just find whatever it is. One the comment on Zillow in Utah we're a non-disclosure state. So the values and the ranges and stuff, you'll see a sales price and you'll see this little indicator on there, whether it's, you know, good deal, bad deal kind of thing. But Utah's a non-disclosure state, meaning that they can't pull what homes actually sell for. Mm-hmm. They can pull the loans that were put on it. But if you got an $800,000 sales price, and old, the bunch of loans were only four hundred thousand. Looks like a whole bunch of homes sold for four hundred thousand. Not right. really the number. So Zillow is really tricky in Utah, especially Southern Utah. So that's where I think having an actual experienced on the boots on, on the ground yeah. kind of agent makes a big difference, especially Utah.
1: I can't tell you how many times I've seen on Zillow where somebody finds the perfect home, but it's been Always under been contract for yeah. three <laughs> weeks. And then it's, yeah, I found this house. This house I want to go see it. And then I I look at I said yeah, this has been sold for three weeks. Unfortunately. I had Zillow one that was like two years gone. Oh yeah. Cause it was like such a good price. Everybody started hitting and, it. <laughs> and you can't go in and change that on Zillow. Zillow uh, yeah. has zero way that you can go in and change yeah. some of this stuff. It's, it's really rough. So, so yeah, I mean, get, getting with the right realtor has to be your next step, right? Especially if it's free. It's like, why, why wouldn't you? A lot of people, they have this misconception where if I don't use a realtor, I'm going to get a discounted price. Hmm. The realtors fees are already worked into that price, right? So, the houses in town that are going to be listed with a realtor, that house is already saying, hey, we're paying a realtor six percent. Well, if that usually that realtor is going to split that three and three, or maybe it's maybe it's only four percent or something, but they'll split that up between the two realtors. Well, that doesn't mean that the seller suddenly gets back that extra three percent that the buyer's agent didn't use. That just means the seller's agent is just going to take more money. Right. Right. And if they if you use that seller's agent
0: when push comes to shove, they're going to represent the seller. Absolutely, and yeah. A seller and yeah. a buyer have two opposing views. You know, one wants the most they can get. One wants to pay the least. Yeah. They have so that that that's where negotiation moves back and forth, depending on the situation, the market, the availability. The help. Yep. I mean, that's and the gonna more change.
1: that seller's agent can sell it for, the more they're going to make. Right. Right. So, of course, I mean, I I, I always say it's okay to you to do a dual agency use the lip the the seller's agent but i only would really recommend doing that if it's a house that again maybe you've already talked to that agent before maybe that agent showed you the home but mm. especially if you just decide hey i'm just going to go see some houses with a realtor and then i'm just going to go talk to listing agents you're going to be in, in for a rude awakening when you realize wait these guys are working against me and not for me so, right yeah. right so, what's so now next? we got Pre-approval, narrow down your search, find an agent.
0: I think the next step is submitting offers. We want to do a video about what's in a real estate contract. I think we'll do that on a future video Mm -hmm. because that can be a little intimidating. And that's, again, where using professionals can walk you through that form. And it's where you can build up that trust to know you don't have to read every single line item. I mean, Utah's contract, I see contracts all over the country and Utah is actually one of the easier to read. The print's a little bit bigger. It's not like all this stupid little fine print, but I think legal laws and, and, and being sued has just increased around the whole, it has for years and years and years of contracts, just kind of keep getting a little bit thicker disclosures, keep getting a little bit thicker. That's where, again, having the agent that walk you through, okay, here's the important parts. This is what this means. So then you can take the time to go through it. But so we'll do videos on what that works, but next is kind of submitting offers. So are you seeing in the market right now, there was a. It, uh, it's weird how you'll have people that just submit one offer, see if it sticks. Or now there's that shotgun effect. Well, we like mm. six of them. Let's just throw six offers out, see which one sticks. I mean, are you it, seeing
1: that dynamic change at it, all? It's a good question, and I, I get a lot of buyers who are afraid to write more not more than one offer at a time, which. Uh, Unfortunately, you need to get over that fear because uh, if if you're in a seller's market where there's tons of buyers out there uh, buying whatever house they can, you're gonna have to have multiple offers in on different houses. Let's say both offers get accepted around the same time you can then sit and say, okay, I've still got, you're still going to have 48 hours or so before uh, uh, before you really have to make that final decision but say, sorry, this one, I'm just, uh, I'm going to back out of this one. This is the one that I want to take. Mm-hmm. So you can still do that. With that said, what I'm much more going to be recommending to you guys is that when you're submitting offers, submit an offer that the seller is actually going to entertain because even in today's market, with maybe it slowing down a little bit more in terms of how many buyers are out there with, with interest rates, but you still want to submit something that the seller is going to be like, hey, let's negotiate now. Because I see so many times, like, oh, the market's dropping. I'm going to offer, I mean, 10% under asking price or more. And well, let's see what he comes back. Well, the seller's going to say, sorry, I'm not even going to work with you. Mm. And that happens so often. And then the buyers get upset. Hey, what do you mean you won't work with me? Well, submit me an offer that's actually reasonable. Mm. Now with that said, of course, there's many houses that are way, way overpriced and sure, submit an offer that you actually think the house is worth, but, you're still going to get beat out even in today's market if you're not submitting something that is actually in the ballpark of what the house is actually valued at and
0: I, I think that's so true you get the national news you get the national news oh prices are doing this prices are doing that it's you've got to look at the local market What's happening in Southern Utah is not the same as what's happening in Detroit or LA or Houston, Texas, or all these other places that they aggregate, you know, they, and, and a lot of the news is trying to move the needle is trying to get clicks. It's trying to do it. So it's sensationalized. Mm-hmm. I can't believe how many headlines I see that don't match the actual content of the thing. And right. it's all housing market crashing or this market's down this much. And you start looking at the stats behind you and so say, yeah, you can, it's amazing how easy you can manipulate stats to meet a headline that you want to get to move when really when you dig deeper, that's not really what's happening. And then especially in the local market, you've really got to look at the local market when it comes to that, because it, it, it is something where I had a client that missed out. I thought on a really good deal on the house because all oh, house prices have come down 20%. I'm like, where, how? Yeah. Now maybe higher end certain areas.
1: Sure. That's happened.
0: Yeah. But this was like a $350,000 home. He wanted to get for two fifty, and I'm going Dude, that, that price range isn't coming down because there's more buyers that can still afford that price range. The higher end is going to start seeing some softening. Sure. But it's one of those things where (laughs) you've got to look at the local market. You've got to send out a couple offers that are realistic. And and I'm amazed at how many times I think we do it in our own lives where we don't take the shoes of the other person nearly enough. You know, and it's something where it's like, okay, if you had that house and somebody came and offered you a hundred thousand less than what you're asking. Would you just say, sure. Now, maybe your situation, you have to sell you're desperate. Maybe it is way overpriced. There's, you know, there's going to be situations where you get those deals, but I think there's too many times where you don't take all the look at the whole view of everything that's going on how much you want that particular home all the other amenities i mean maybe yeah it's on paper worth a certain amount but we saw during this last little bit people wanted to be here more than even the price of the home so that's why they're willing to pay so much more to get to that neighborhood get to that school district move to this area get away from other areas work remote there's more benefit than just okay, I, I only want that house for two hundred thousand. That's it, you know that kind of thing.
1: So. Well, and the, and they do all of their negotiating before they're even under contract. Mm. There's a lot of negotiating you can still do once you're under contract, Good, right? Great, great so, point. and that moves us into our next uh, our, our, our next steps. Here is that you've got your inspection, you've got an appraisal. There's things that are going to be coming up throughout this. Uh uh this escrow period, which can be anywhere from I mean, if you're buying cash, it could be as little as a week or less. But usually in a mortgage you're between thirty and forty days. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say that. Uh it's it's sped
0: up as as things have slowed a little bit on mortgage companies, I'd I'd say that's sped up a little sped bit. up. Uh, and appraisers aren't nearly as busy. I mean, everybody's a little less busy, which is another good thing with things kind of stabilizing is yeah. it isn't just so absolutely nuts and crazy. But yeah, I would say thirty days is the average. And, I'd say most contracts and are as short maybe begin coming back a little bit maybe maybe yeah. uh, i've seen nods NLD, uh, nods is very a default. very few it, yeah i'm i'm everybody's waiting for this big spike it, yeah it's just not happening because people can sell they don't yeah. have they're not underwater they don't have to just walk away from the house most mm-hmm. of them have money into it so they feel that much more vested I, I think the ones who will struggle the most are the ones who maybe bought seven eight months ago right maybe, maybe. but i still think seven, eight months ago, their cost of that home, like their housing expense is still cheaper staying in the home yeah. than going to find something that true. And that was one of the things we saw why inventory didn't increase Is people. I can't replace the home. I have, I can't replace the payment. I can't replace location. Mm-hmm. I can't replace how much it costs me every month for what's out there now. So it is something where I don't think I, I still haven't seen it. We haven't seen it really increase. there are always yeah. going to be defaults. I don't yeah. care if the market, because people lose their job, people pass away. Health issues, car accidents, stuff happens. Life happens. So there's always going to be some foreclosures. In fact, if there's not, the industry on our end starts saying, "Okay, you need to loosen your guidelines." Yeah. If you're not having a you know even a healthy number of defaults, that's yeah. actually a, a metric. Then maybe you need to loosen up your guidelines to to start getting people into
1: homes and keep the keep the whole engine moving. But and the, those short sale buys, I mean, those could take eight to 12 months to close sometimes can't they 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 can take an extreme depends on what stage they're at in that in that process yeah so some of those can take a while so i mean you're gonna have either way you're gonna have between 14 to 45 days on average to uh uh, to do all your inspections you'll be getting an appraisal if you want especially if you're buying if you're getting a loan you're gonna be getting an appraisal um so there's still gonna be things in there that you can negotiate so if you have a house that you like submit offers that are going to be reasonable if you get an appraisal and the appraisal says hey you're twenty thousand dollar price let's say okay well i'm not going to pay that here's your appraisal mr seller yep. if you want to continue on with the sale then i'm going to need to drop the price a bit and maybe you don't have to drop it all 20 20 grand that you're that you're uh you're high on but maybe at least somewhere you guys can meet in the middle and you make up for it but yep. With as new information s- comes in. That's where you can and reevaluate because as you do
0: your first walk through, just like with a car, it'd be like just walking around the car and then buying it. No, yeah. do a test drive, get into yep. it, start it up, turn it off, turn on the four wheel drive system. I mean, you know, play with the thing and then start realizing, Oh, Hey, this yeah. is, you know, got some issues or it's got some, this and that you can go back and say, okay, you know what, this is what you're asking for. This is what we agreed on. But we found discovered out that this stuff. is exactly. correct. And that's where once the offer is accepted, that's kind of the next step of going through the pre-approval. So the pre-approval stage gets you kind of where we're at. Yeah. Once the offer is accepted, that's when we start getting updated pay stubs, bank statements. And I'll all say that this
1: on your behalf, because this is actually something that's a big, big, big headache for me, is when you're in that escrow period, be in as much communication with your lender and your mm. realtor as humanly possible. Mm. I It's the worst when, say, Ryan and I are working together on a sale and we're like, yeah, I, he hasn't answered any of my calls. The, mm. the buyer hasn't answered any of my calls. He's uh, we've been trying to get documents from him and that's what's going to extend your uh, I- I- extend your escrow period. And then sometimes that will make it fall through if you're not getting the documents that you need uh, right. to the lender. So when a, when a lender asks for documents, have them ready. A lot of those he's going to ask for prior to even writing offers. Right. So be that proactive buyer who gets it all because it will make your life so much easier. Right. One of the most stressful they actually consider a realtor as one of the more stressful jobs in the <laughs> country which sounds ridiculous, but a lot of it is is because there's so much uh, there's so so many people you have to communicate with and unfortunately there's a lot of people who are terrible communicators. Right. And uh, I I've worked with lenders and title companies who i can't communicate with them Mm. right they they don't answer their phones they don't work on weekends whatsoever um if it's uh if it's any type of holiday even if it's national pumpkin pie day (laughs) they're not answering their phones and so that's one thing i've liked about working with you is because you're you're on it i can call you and i know just by what i hear in the background okay Ryan's at the 16th hole of the ledges, but you're also working <laughs> Answering the phone, right? You're answering the phone and you're working and you could do it all, all right from there. Yeah. And, and that's one thing that I, I really have liked about working with you is that you're always, you're always there no matter what the heck you've got going on in your life. And I think that's important when you're hiring your title company, your um, home warranty company, especially because if your home warranty company isn't somebody who's going to answer the phone after you've closed, uh, that's going to be a problem when you're furnace blows up or whatever. So, uh, your realtor, everybody you do communication is the first thing. And so for the buyer, we are always just going to ask, submit documents. And and when, when you're asked, right. I mean, of course you're not going to just have it on the spot, but I mean, it shouldn't usually take 24 to 48 hours or more to get them your most recent pay stub or maybe your two years ago tax returns or something
0: yeah and that's where that pre-approval stage helps me to narrow down which direction we're going whether we need you know if they're self-employed or there's so many different income sources there's so many different things that we can say okay here's a couple things that are going to be what we need to work on while we're submitting offers but a lot of times we don't want to send them on a wild goose chase of documentation that we yeah. have to re-update because it takes a couple months to find a yeah. home or something like that so there's a balance between what you get and when, how you get it. But that's part of my job is to explain, okay, why do you need this stuff? Because once you know the why, it's a lot easier to get the what. It is. And then technology has changed so much where people can get their bank statements online, email. There's so many things, but some people aren't as comfortable with that. They still want to come in and meet. So we try to accommodate any client, no matter what stage, no matter if they're first time home buyers or bought 15 houses this year. There's always a, a, a job of kind of massaging that and making it work with the guidelines. Certain loan programs require certain documentation. Yeah. And then as you get stuff, you might look at it and that triggers something else. So we get a bank statement, all of a sudden, what's this $50,000 cash deposit? Where'd that come from? Yeah, yeah. You know, Or there's a, a weird line item. I can't tell you how many pay stubs we'll have.
1: Oh good, we're playing music. What is that? I don't,
0: know what this is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It's on my phone. Welcome to the Clear Closed Podcast, everyone. We're going to start now. <laughs>
0: it's a bad thing about having this thing on, I guess.
1: I've never heard that noise. Either okay. way. Okay. We'll All continue right. on. Yeah.
0: So um, so it is something where once the offer is accepted, we enter the paperwork stage, like we said, and that can change a little bit as we get paperwork. You got your inspections. Home inspection is usually first. We usually recommend doing that on every file. Okay. Yeah. If it's new, we've talked about home inspection. Get them get them it can be another negotiation but more importantly your eyes are wide open going into it we've talked about home inspections are so crucial once that's done that's usually when we enter that appraisal stage and within the contract there's gonna be certain deadlines you have to do all this stuff but if you pass that deadline you can't use that as a way to either renegotiate or back out of the deal. So we have deadlines in Utah. Now yeah. some States don't have those deadlines. Believe me, there's, there's not even deadlines for earnest money. The
1: earnest money never yeah. goes hard in some States, but and let's talk about some of those deadlines. Like yeah. what, what do we have? I mean, you've got your earnest money deadline is usually your first deadline, right? Uh, of how long you have to turn in the earnest yep. money. So most places you're going to turn it in directly to the brokerage. Actually what I do is I just have you turn it in directly to the title. Company. That's happening. Yeah. I would say
0: that trend has happened a lot during my career. I used to always go to the brokerage or, now it's eight, going to the title, almost everyone sending it to the title. I like because that because the he, trust account. Yep, they manage the funds. They manage not commingling. I mean, there's been yeah. some big issues where agents will take the money into their own account <laughs> or whatever. I mean, yeah. that's not what you're supposed to do, is commingle those funds in any way. No kidding. Plus, it becomes kind of a neutral third party that's supposed to make sure they follow what's in the contract. If there is a dispute, it's not between the agents and the broker and all that. It, it, it becomes a really, you know, it does sometimes get a little trickier to get to because they do want letters signed and have everybody release it, but it does become a little bit yeah. of, a, of a go between or a little yeah. bit of a standard when it comes to that. And earnest money, I've seen it's, I've seen a thousand is probably the most common earnest money is a thousand bucks. I would say and yeah, I see
1: 5,000 depending on the bigger deals. And it depends on the market. I mean, yeah. if uh, in the past few years, if you weren't a minimum of 1%, you weren't going to get enough, you weren't going to be accepted. Right.
0: Yeah. Do you think that really, when an agent or when a buyer or sorry, when a seller is looking at the offer, do you think that if they're, everything else is the same, but the earnest money is more, it, is that something that does? It will, it will, it will yeah.
1: for sure. Cause it, it, it kind of shows them how serious they are. Hmm. Um, and so now if you're getting a house and it's been on the market for f- six months, you know, you're the only offer then okay you can offer a small amount of earnest money sure but uh, especially if you're in a competitive market make sure you're giving something that's going to show the seller that hey i'm serious about this i want to make this happen um and i'm essentially putting my earnest money here so that yeah if i if something happens after a certain date then i'm i'm gonna and be it's
0: protected it is for the buyer for a long, long time, especially Utah. You really have to be oblivious to your dates or not have the communication, not working with the right team to lose your earnest money. I think in my career, it's only happened one or two times. And it was because I either got the file way late in the process and was already gone anyway, yeah. or it was something where it
1: wasn't disclosed. I mean, or they got usually. cold feet last second. Right. Yeah. And or
0: I've had people that lose their job. Something yeah. happens to where, yeah. but it's, I mean, it shouldn't be something that should be at risk if you're doing the job and, and communicating yep. and knowing those dates, that's one of the systems that I make sure is when I get a contract, first couple of things I do is put in calendars, put in alerts, put in things that say, okay, that's that deadline. And usually do it a couple of days before. Mm. So if there's a financing, and appraisal, deadline, due diligence, something like that, I'm ahead of that to make sure that if we are not underwritten or approved or something at that point, yeah. that we have time to fix it. Because yeah. if you get to the point where it's the day of, then it's a scramble, getting hold of people. You yeah, know, maybe the seller's like, Oh, I'm hoping this deal falls through and I get the earnest money go sell it to somebody else. So they're not being as communicative. You just don't want to wait till the last second. We're yeah. such a microwave society. I cannot believe how often yeah. having an extra 30 days for pre-approval an extra couple days on a deadline can save you so much stress, hassle, all that stuff. And it's all man-made. It's all, we all create this stuff. Yeah, So work with it,
1: you know, don't work against it. Don't fight against it so much. There's systems in place for yeah. a reason. All right, so, I mean, you've got your due diligence deadline, yep. you've got your financing and appraisal deadline, and then you have settlement deadline. And settlement deadline is always a little confusing to people because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people think that you go to the title company you sign a whole bunch of papers. If you get a loan, you sign a ton of papers. If you <laughs> yeah. are, are not getting a loan, or even maybe if you're selling, there's a lot fewer, fewer papers to sign. But if you're uh, you go to the title company, okay, I got my keys as soon as I leave the title company. Rarely does that ever happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, more often than not, it can even be a couple days later that, that you get your keys. Now uh, I always recommend to my clients, which maybe I, I don't see this very much, but I've kind of found that this is the best way to go is sign on a Thursday or before. Mm. Cause a lot of times you sign on a Friday and, and then you're playing around with deadlines because you've got why wi- money's got to be wired from the from the lender. Well, if that money gets lent uh, wired after say two to three PM, depending on the deadline, guess what? You don't close that same day and now you're gonna have to wait all weekend and you won't get your keys until Monday. So and that true. could be a pain in the butt, you're so like, true. Oh sorry, you've already moved out, now you're in a hotel for the weekend. Yeah, it's so, so true how often that happens. And how many contracts are end of the month? Yeah. So those yeah. last
0: couple of days of the month are always really busy for agents, yep. title companies and us. It always seems like it just goes to that instead of kind of yeah. looking at the calendar and maybe picking, okay, let's go that first week. Or, yep. I mean, I think that's helped a little bit with closing disclosure and some things on the dates. The funniest I'm one, blown actually, away how many times it's always end of the month. And totally, like you said, you don't... In Utah, especially now, there's some states that they call wet and dry. You have to fund same day that you sign. So the right, wires are right. sent. So you have to do a thing, but usually it delays the closing because yep. there's more things they have to do before that anyway. So yep. I haven't seen a big difference between the two states on when you actually get keys other than signing keys versus signing and usually like you said the next business yep. day to and get wires is, out and all that kind of stuff we can still same day fund in utah but it's much more common it is yeah to sign get keys the next day and, and it, totally it's true. becoming
1: one of those things where of course docusign is getting more and more usable mm. for these you're still going to have to wet signatures more often than not on yep. something at least it's coming and i think it's coming but the notarization yeah. the
0: legal forms there's just too many lawsuits too many there attorneys are. that are finding loopholes in this stuff yep. that's why the the document and just the disclosures get bigger and bigger and bigger.
1: <laughs> so you've got to get to the point where you can consistently consistently have your clients as a realtor consistently have them ahead of schedule. Right. And so let's say your buyers currently live in Seattle and they're buying here in St. George, they're going to have documents they need to sign. Well, how ha- say you're, settlement deadline is on Friday those should be signed by Monday or so mm. so that they can be overnight shipped back and then everything's still on board because otherwise if they sign them on Wednesday or Thursday oh shoot UPS hasn't shown up with the documents net yet now we're late now we won't be able to sign for another day well sorry your people from Seattle are always already halfway here mm. in their uh, in their u-haul truck with their stuff and now you got to tell them sorry guys I, now you, you have to I can't tell you, like weekend. you said, you, you, you nailed it. I can't believe how many people will have
0: two U-Haul trucks. They have to go to a hotel for yeah, a I couple know. days it's because of the too. weekend or a holiday or yeah. this type of thing. So, so we got the offers accepted. We finalized underwriting, we finalize, um, the inspections, all that kind of stuff. We do final walkthroughs. You yep. have a chance to walk through the house one more time. Cause you and I have had some horror stories. <laughs> The people think, that have it under contract 30 days later, they uh, do their final walkthrough and they they've moved out. And as they moved out, they've taken stuff fixtures or they've taken the door. Yeah. They really liked or yeah. uh, so I did. It happens more often than more you realize. Yeah. Same thing as that pre-approval thing. They're pre-approved. So they go out, got a car loan or they yeah. go get this sellers. Oh, we're under contract. We got our contracted price. It's not bolted to the house or it is a customization. I did. I'm taking
1: that sucker with me. And now remember and <laughs> this to your buyers. I mean, of course your financing and appraisal deadline is usually when your earnest money is going to be going hard Mm. however let's say you go to the final walkthrough and they replaced all the appliances because they wanted to keep their brand new appliances they had but that was never disclosed you can still get that earnest money back then if you realize hey now i'm not buying what i was promised that i'm going to buy right so that final walkthrough is super important and so many times it's just thrown out the window they don't even do it Um, or a realtor says i don't have the time i'm not going to go over and do this you you do your final (laughs) walkthrough i always recommend just do it right before you even go to the title company and so one thing i like to do is let's say i have my my uh, title company i have them set up for 10 to 11 a.m i kind of like that time of day because it's going to give us plenty of time to get all the funds wired everything's done it's still going to be hopefully same day i tell you what that I have seen that happen so many times
0: where they schedule at 8 a.m. Yeah. So really that means we've lost that business day. We've lost the morning to get docs out. Really, we have to be docs the day before yeah. to have it ready, even the day before that. And I'm amazed at how many times yeah. it'll be set at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., yep. which is fine if that ha- work. I understand work. I, I totally get it. But if you're not communicating some of that stuff or it's not getting scheduled, that we've got to be that much more proactive to have the yeah. loan documents by Wednesday You know, or For even sure. Tuesday. But here's some other thing as we, as we talk about that. There's disclosures we have to do as a lender when you first do your application and you're actually accepted on the property, we have to send out what's known as a loan estimate. They used to be called good faith estimates. Mm -hmm. Now they call them loan estimates. That loan estimate gets a closing disclosure three days before we can sign at the very end. So if you're getting late with documents and, and you're, you're rushing, trying to get it done, we can't sign for those three days. Yeah. So we can't get stuff scheduled, we have to wait. And that closing disclosure is compared to the loan estimate to make sure it matches. It can't yeah. be it can't be more. Yep. So if that's another factor, you have to have that three days factor right. in. Now most lenders are starting to get good at getting them out early. I prefer to wait a little later because I want that closing disclosure to be as close to the numbers at the table as possible. So there's a balance between getting out a little too early and the numbers yeah. aren't right or too late and suddenly you can't even start signing and moving in because yeah. you've got to wait those three mandatory
1: days. And so just remember closing settlement a lot of times people look at that as when you go to the title get the company keys, yeah, right my keys <laughs> and but you got to remember funding and recording is the words you want to hear yes once this place is funded you're probably then within half hour of recording yep. right um because usually these places now they get it recorded pretty darn quick for the yeah, most so part
0: once once it's settlement is where you're signing all the documents then they get sent back in they get reviewed by the underwriter make sure a signature is not missed notarization yeah. There's sometimes we sign stuff at closing. That was a condition we needed to fund the loan. Yeah. So there's some stuff that can happen there. and That's usually why there's that 24 hours. Then in our system, we, what we call fund the loan. That means it's all done, all approved, nothing else, no signatures missed. That's when the wire is ordered. And like you said, in Utah, about three o'clock is the last you can get wires because that's when the exchange closes all that. So you got to get them ordered by 11 to one o'clock. Yeah. Especially if it's busy end of the month. So if you miss that deadline, you're missing the wire. So it's technically funded, but the wire isn't received. Right. That recording is by far in Utah. That's the name you want. That's the note. So we have our podcast here clear to close. That means you're clear to sign. Then you're clear to fund. Then you're clear to wire and record. Yeah. So there's these other little steps afterwards. Once you get recorded the old owner doesn't own the house anymore your insurance kicks in you get your keys yep. and your garage door openers whatever else there is and that's what we're that's our whole goal of the show and our whole goal of what we do is yeah, to get, get you that clear, clear to, 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 close. to close for sure <laughs> and so
1: i mean that's that's what's great about it is it can be a process but if you're using the wrong people, it's a very stressful process because there's a lot of steps to it. And the the step reach on brother. (laughs) The good thing about it is we just told (laughs) you the steps that you guys need to have any type of idea about. There's so many steps to this that we don't even want you guys to know about because it's stuff that, I mean, how much work you've got going on in the, on the back end of this and same with the realtor and the title company, especially, I mean, there's stuff going on behind the scenes here to get all of these things in place that if you, if you had to do all that on your own, uh, (laughs) I, I don't, I don't even know what a word for that would be to describe it because it'd be,
0: it'd be horrible. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, that's why you hire experts, whether it's financial yeah. planning or insurance or more, literally or all do this, this all stuff. day, every single yeah. day. Yeah. And I've seen yeah. the pitfalls and I've seen the mistakes and I know what yep. the guidelines are and
1: that's where working with professionals that are doing this full-time day in and day out. Using so the contracts different. that have been written by the, the states state. and, yeah, and, and, and not something that you just typed up on word real quick saying, I'm going to offer you $20,000 for this lot. Okay what else is disclosed? What else is is in here? There's nothing. So, and I see that I see people trying to write offers like that. You have, to, I mean, use state documents. I'm never going to accept an offer from one of my sellers. That's a, not a state form. Right. right. So
0: I think it's great. I mean, this is, and we're going to dive into each of these steps a little bit further in other videos. If you have questions, comments, concerns, topics, please let us know. We'd love to go into those as with you, mm. but we have a real passion for it. So I think just to reiterate pre-approval, narrow down your search, find your agent, submit your offers. Once accepted, you go through those stages, finalize underwriting finalize walkthrough sign, get your keys. Yep. I mean, that's really, but there's so much, like you said, and in don't between there,
1: pay your realtor. You yep. don't
0: have to pay your realtor. Yep. So as that's buyer, what's great. I, yeah. I don't know yep. why as a buyer's agent or as a buyer, you wouldn't use an agent. Yeah. Did you choose yeah. the right one? I think people are so apprehensive with loans and pre-approvals is because they don't shop around. They don't check around. They don't, they don't find the right team to work with. And yeah. there's great people in this business, but there's some bad ones. Oh yeah, you know, And yeah. and I, and I wanted to bring up that they kind of remind me of something that, like you said, the stressfulness of this is really can be avoided. And I think there's the reason why it's so stressful is most of the people that are, our agents are independent. They don't have, you know, maybe the training, they don't having to deal with like having a corporate office or something behind it with all the training materials and stuff like that, depending on the team you're working with. But that's where it can be it, it, crucial to just find the right team. Yeah. That's all we're trying to do is really just work with the right agents.
1: Yeah, absolutely great well thanks so much ryan we'll we'll do more of this and and we'll kind of break this down into some other little episodes and be a little bit more specific on each of these steps as we go uh but thanks so much for watching and uh let us know if you have any questions or uh want any new topics that you have in the comments leave them in there and uh, we'll see you guys next time on the clear to close podcast